Some say the end is near. Some say we'll see Armageddon soon. I certainly hope we will. I sure could use a vacation from this bullshit three-ring circus sideshow of freaks. That smell of apocalypse in the morning is an acquired taste. The anticipation of Armageddon is a weird longing. And to me it makes no sense whatsoever, but apparently to so many, it's such a romantic notion. Maybe, or maybe it's just all fear-based. What did Lovecraft say? The oldest uh, human emotion is fear. Um, Something about fear of not knowing. I I can't remember. Um, You know, I've done a lot of podcasts about not participating in mass media, uh, including Facebook posts, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, um, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, whoever it may be. It makes it hard to find news. It does. Um, If you look internationally and and you look, um, it's getting to the point that, you know, you know what the Washington Post and the New York Post and the New York Times are. Um, And some of them have made turns in the last couple of years that possibly were somewhat surprising to some people, but it's still apparent what they are. You know, when NPR's making a shift, fact-based news is passe. It's out of fashion. It's no longer in vogue, so you get what you get. But there's a reason you get what you get. If it bleeds, it leads. It's an old saying, but it's an accurate saying. Uh, I don't recall a whole lot of good news on the news. But then again, I don't recall a whole lot of people talking a whole lot about good news. It just doesn't seem to be a subject that garners any attention media-wise, but also doesn't seem to be what people want to talk about, what they want to hear about. It doesn't seem to be what drives them, what what fuels their curiosity. In fact, one might say that good news is often laughed off and disregarded and all around just ignored. Now, I know what my very liberal friends are thinking. They're thinking, well, you know, between QAnon and the fake election and uh, all the outcry over vaccines, you know, the right is most definitely pushing for a negative narrative in the country. Hmm? I would say that's an accurate statement. But my conservative listeners would say between the... um, numbers of COVID cases and the actual reporting of the information and all the talk about gun laws and <clears throat> really you could go on a lot that it's obvious the left is pushing pushing for a very negative, bleak outlook to our current situation. And I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And the dumber of the listeners would say, well, how can you do that? You're not picking a side. Life isn't about picking a side. Not not in everything. Life's about common sense and and um, the exploration of common sense, the appreciation of common sense, and the initi- initiation of common sense. I look at how we interact with each other. Because see, the world's ending. It's, it's, it's been ending since biblical times because 
the Bible itself was written in what was thought to be the end of times. Yeah, we got cut off for just a second there. But as I was saying, <clears throat> the Bible was written in the notion that time would end. Um, if If you read the Bible objectively insensibly and with an understanding of history and an application of prior knowledge that we have, it was very much written about its current time, its time under Roman rule, and the end of that. Um, And the Bible starts off with the end of time in a lot of ways uh, in the Old Testament with the story of Noah, which was derived from uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which who knows was derived possibly from somewhere else. I think death has always been the only steady constant in in human history from the earliest stages. It was, it was debatable, I guess, on time frame for Homo sapien, but, you know, uh, in excess of 2 million to 4 million, less than whatever... Uh, it's more than 6,000 years. I hate to burst that bubble, whoever's got that in their mind. But <clears throat> the one thing you've known, even from the beginning, from hunter-gatherer days, it's not guaranteed that you be born because but you're not born, you do not exist. So maybe that's not a guarantee. I, I mean, it, it, it's a hard philosophical question to wrap your head around. Yes, you will exist because you do exist, but... What if you didn't? That's that's debatable. That's questionable. Is there something after the period of time we spend in what we consider life? We have no possible way of knowing. That is debatable. There's no uh, solid proof for it. Will we be fortunate in life? Will we be unfortunate in life? Will life be long? Will life be short? All things that really are hard to give a factual, definite answer to, and things that I'm sure uh, people in our past worried about extensively, but things that they could not answer. But that one definite thing, that one undeniable reality was death. An end, an end to the world as you know it, uh, an apocalypse to the life that you created, everything that involves you in a physical manner, everything that you can experience is over. Everything you have experienced is over. And that is undeniable. And it's one of the few facts of life. And what knowledge we have of existence before modern times is very much that it was indeed hard and cruel and often short. So the constant fear of the unknown, as Lovecraft mentioned, was a very constant fear. It it was a fear that was ever-present. And still is today, because we still don't have all the answers. We, We know not what awaits after this life. We don't understand any possibilities that might lead to immortality. We just know in a definite sense that we will die. And there's definite fears. And I know as a father, and, and just as a human, just as a person, there's fears. I think most people, I can't say all because I don't know that all, but I think most people, based on the people I've talked to and how I feel myself, they want to leave something, whether it be a memory of themselves, an accomplishment, a legacy, if you will. They want to leave something behind. And in death... There's no guarantee that that will be left. And there's this fear, this fear that you leave nothing, that there's nothing to have you remembered by or for. Same goes if if you're a parent or if you're married or or if you have anyone that has a close relationship to you whatsoever. You know, with my children, when I'm gone, I want them to have fond memories of me. I want to be in some way and a part of their life if nothing more than just a fond memory or uh, an important part of a segment of their life that I was there for. And, you know, I I think a lot of people want that, and some people want it more than others. But it's that fear of not existing. It's that fear of, I was here, and now I'm gone, and what am I leaving? 
what to, what do I leave behind as a legacy, as as a reminder of, hey, I was here. And that's on a personal level. And that's very small in regards to a global level. But I think some people, some people fear that end. Some people dread that end. Some people just simply wish that were not the case. I would put myself in that bracket of wishing it were not the case. I don't know that I would wish for immortality. Nah, that That's a bag that I don't think many people really understand and never take the time to really unpack. Immortality is a really an unmeasurable time and, and existence. Would there be value in it without it ending? You know, it, simplified as easily as you can, there's this TV show you really love. Season one's great. Season two's great. Season three's great. Season four, you're obsessed, and this is great. Season 22, okay, you know, I mean, it's good. Am I watching it out of habit? Am I watching it out of a, a almost a sense of requirement? Or am I watching it because I still enjoy it? Well, season 50, I mean, you know, come on. It's rehashed. It's the same old, same old. Well, season 5,000, at that point, do you check out or do you stay? You know, I mean, how much can they add? And And, and immortality could possibly be that way. I mean, on this most basic and childish discussion level, that it could possibly be that way. But the people I'm really concerned about aren't the people focusing on their life and what they contributed or their life and, and what it'll mean when they're gone, but their desire, their deep, deep desire for everything to cease to exist. It's always been an element of the religious factor. I need this world to end because I can't be here for every moment of it. But if it'll just end, something far better is coming. Let me limit, or no, let, let, I guess let me allocate my efforts and my time here. Let me put 30% of my effort into making time here better for other people. But let me put 70% of my effort into the anticipation and the hope for the end of all this that is real and tangible that I can feel but won't be mine forever. Let me, let me, let me put 70% towards what's coming after that. The end of all that. It's a weird psychology, and I, I think it originates from this fear that there's nothing after, that it'll all be over, and this selfishness that I'm only going to get this much time, and it's not enough. I require more. So let me find a way to ensure I get more. It comes from a selfish place, maybe, but... From an honest fear, a fear that I feel, if we're all honest, we have. And let's be honest. No one wants to die. No one, well, I can't say no one, but most people. Most people do not. But then there's also this societal push of society's not going in the direction that I think it should go in. And that is a clear and obvious indicator that society will not survive. It must now end. We must be close to that end. And, and you, you go back to the religious aspect of that. You're always close to the end. Always. And it's not always the end of the world. A lot of times it's the end of anything good. Or the end of anything really bad. But I've noticed... And it, it's hard to, to really get the data and... And, and look at it objectively because when things are good, there's plenty of naysayers. There's an abundance of doomsdayers. 
But when things are really bad, there's almost this hopelessness, this despair that this will last forever. This surely can't come to an end. And in a moment when you really could possibly benefit from the thought that this will soon be over. And it's beyond my grasp to change it, possibly. But it will soon be over and better things will come after. It seems like in those moments, the ideal of Armageddon is fleeting. I can't imagine, not even for a second, and I would not dare try to put my place, put myself in a place of trying to understand the sheer terror and dread that many Jewish people had to feel in these concentration camps and things of that nature. But the thought of this afterlife and the thought of possibly Hitler as the Antichrist and the world's going to end and the final judgment, maybe, maybe in that moment in time there was this need, this desire for that, and it had a positive effect, even if it is in the smallest degree, on your mental outlook but when things are really really good I mean really really good all the doomsday people come out and it seems to be where they flourish and I think there's a reason for that I think there's a need there's a need for struggle and there's a need for strife I can't remember who said the quote but uh, I've heard Rogan say it many times, and it may have came from Joe Rogan. Um, hard times create hard men, and hard men create good times, and good times create soft men, and soft men create bad times. It's a cycle. It's a circle, and it goes. So maybe there's this human desire for bad times, for less than ideal circumstances. Maybe it's this primal urge to have to survive and not have survival be such a given conclusion, a foregone conclusion that you will survive. I mean, the amount of time in which you will survive will vary, but the opportunity for survival is very, very available. I've done shows on this. I've talked about this at nauseum, and no one seems to care because it's not appealing. But statistically, the facts are out there. We currently exist, especially in America, in one of the best, safest, most productive times in the history of the world. For all the negatives you can find, and it's not saying they're not there, and for all the injustices and wrongs, and I'm not saying they're not there, they're far less than they've ever been. Far less. And so that creates this, this need, this need for hard times. This need for the all-encompassing villain for... Uh, the shadow government lizard people. And, and again, I've said many times I believe there's a government within the government that runs it. I'm not sitting and all of a sudden changing my opinion or statement on that. I just don't quite believe it's the Anunnaki lizard people or anything of that regard. Oh, and that reminds me, I've got to, going to address some ancient alien stuff at the end of this. But anyway, it it's this need for something to be wrong. For some reason, it doesn't feel right when things are right. And who knows, maybe that's not a naturally occurring human condition. Maybe something that's something that through mental evolution and social evolution or, or through social influence that we've conditioned ourselves for. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have the knowledge base to answer that. But currently, the best I can tell, the United States is ending and it's becoming a communist social dictatorship. Um, that That's pretty apparent by a certain segment of the news. I mean, you've got to disregard the idea that, wow, capitalism has made some rich, rich people. And those rich, rich people have no desire whatsoever to give up the ability to continue to get richer. 
And capitalism has also afforded a pretty good way of life, a way of life that very, very many people are willing to, not willing to give up without a fight. But also, we are pretty free. We're not free in some regards. I mean, and there's things that worry me in regards to free speech. There really are. But I think, not that free speech is going to go away, but that enough people will get tired of this attack on free speech that they'll fight back again. Because it's not the first time. It's just the first time it was more Republican-leaning people. And then it was a mixture of the two, and now it's more Democrats. And next time around, it'll probably be a mixture of the two, and then the next time around, it'll probably be the Republicans. And then the next time around, it'll probably be a mixture. It's all circular. It all, it all goes in a flow. You know, from the Red Scare to uh, the attack on the music industry by Tipper Gore and, and, and a lot of actual politicians in the 80s to the attack on anything you say right now. Comedians. Comedians probably get harder than anybody. I mean, they've now older comedians, somebody like George Carlin. If George Carlin's still alive today, he's made it through almost the full cycle. And it keeps happening. But we keep standing up to it and stopping it. Now, on the biblical end of it, I could talk about that till I was blue in the face. That's a belief structure, and I've always said beliefs are very dangerous. Knowing is good. Curiosity is good. Knowledge is good. Understanding something to be factual is good. But just belief unfounded for belief's sake... I've always found dangerous, and I've also always found it unwavering in its strength on people. So taking that out of the equation, you know, a lot of people seem to think we're at the brink of nuclear war, and we're at the brink of a civil war in the U.S., and we're at the end of the planet, and we're at a point to where disease is ready to take over the country, and I don't know. I really, I really don't, I don't see all those things happening, you know. I think enough of these countries have enough of their own problems. I mean, obviously there'll be war again. The United States makes tons of money off war. It's not something they're going to quit anytime soon. China has a lot to defend. They have an ideology that is rooted in control, and they're willing to fight to save that. And Russia's willing to fight to be the next American. Iran's willing to fight over religion. And Israel's obviously willing to fight over religion. Uh, Here goes probably half of, well, not half, here goes a good chunk of listeners probably. Israel is a prime example of a country who was overrun and attacked by terrorists and then in exchange becomes a country powerful enough to initiate terrorist act upon a terrorist group and not be held responsible for the innocents that are killed in the path. They become what they were fighting. But they'll never stop fighting for the expansion of Israel and the rebuilding. It's the most important spot on the face of the earth for the three largest uh, or three of the largest religions on earth. It's important to people of Jewish descent, people of Christian uh, belief, people of Muslim belief, uh, or Islamic belief. It, it, everybody except for, I think, the pagans and the atheists, that's their prime real estate. And <laughs> my knowledge is somewhat limited um on kind of the end game uh as far as islamic belief or muslim belief goes and and uh where judaism goes obviously with christianity I, i'm more familiar with it um i read the bible when i was younger and 
I was very fascinated with Revelation. So, you know, I, I don't know that they stand in that same area. But it it <laughs> it's just not part of the subject you can really change. It's changing slowly. And that's what many people of religious belief attribute to being another sign of the end of the world. Uh, a loss of religious belief in exchange for a more scientific belief, and then therefore it's possible the world's ending. But there's certain segments that have always emphasized the end and not the present. The problem is our news organizations seem to be very much in that same vein right now. And, and that's that feels dangerous to me. That feels... Um, I don't know. It, it, it feels like instead of certain segments of the world feeling like all is lost and that the present has no current value, that we're just initiating more people into that thought process. And I feel like the news is a very good initiator of that. But it's not just the news, and that's something I've overlooked in the past and, and something I've not really taking the time to sit down and analyze, but the news has no value if it's not working on people. If, if, if this is really, you know, the course it's taken, and then ha if everyone looked at it the way I looked at it and had no impact, because I don't care what new disaster they're selling this week, and I don't care what new terror they're selling or fear it has no impact on me I, I you know you can you can try to mine it for the few facts that are there but it, it really the news is really just opinion now it's not not fact-based not that you can't get fact-based news you, you can but it is going away slowly but unfortunately it, it, it is going away i think vice now is is completely lost, and that's sad, but it's true, or seems to be to me. But the real culprits are the people spreading these things and, and fearing these things and trying to get others to fear it. I want the vaccine for coronavirus. I, however, do not want it until it's been tested and it's we know if it's going to work and what it is and and a lot of the science doesn't show that that's the case at this time and people with the virus are still getting it a lot of people are saying well some of them are asymptomatic well a lot of people are asymptomatic without the vaccine i'm not an anti-vaxxer and i do want the vaccine i just want to give it time and, and actually get a vaccine because the best I can figure it out, just based on actually getting down to the point of looking up the definition of the vaccine, and, and that's not actually what we have right now. But when it is fixed, and it, it is viable, and it is usable, I want to take it. And I want as many people as possible to get it. But I don't want to require anyone to do it. I don't want to say, you have to do this. I just don't. Because I am, to me, that freedom is a very important thing. That freedom, freedom to do anything, freedom to speak, freedom to defend yourself, freedom to defend others, freedom to protest, freedom to speak and at least have the opportunity to be heard whether anyone listens or not, freedom to provide for yourself, freedom to have equal opportunity. Freedom to pursue that opportunity. Freedom to not pursue that opportunity. And fail. Freedom to do anything that doesn't negatively affect another in an unchangeable manner. Because with that freedom, and we have 
that freedom in so many aspects of our lives. Not all of us, but a good chunk of us. Well, that freedom should give hope. And that freedom should give a desire to help others get that freedom and a desire to make a better world than what we have right now because we have the ability and the freedom to make it. Or at least, at the least, to not do something that inhibits that freedom or inhibits that possibility for someone else. And in those circumstances, the circumstances that most people find themselves in, then there should be hope. And with hope, there shouldn't be no fear of the end. There should just be hope in the present. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing to me that all anyone wants is for it to all go away, to all be over, even though they don't want to die themselves. They don't want it to be over for them. But if it has to be over for them or if it can't turn out and be the way, exactly the way they want it for themselves, for everyone else to have to live the way they want it exactly for themselves, then they would prefer to live under the notion that it just won't exist. It'll all go away. Maybe time will never end. Maybe the world will never end. Maybe civilization will never end. Unless it's manifested to do so. I don't know if manifestation is real. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's a lot of BS, just to be honest with you. I think having a good positive attitude is a really important thing. I think thinking positively and, and maybe even believing to a certain degree that you being positive will cause positive in your life. That has to be somewhat true. But to sit and think that you can manifest everything that you want just by thinking it and wanting it and telling yourself it's real, that seems a little far-fetched to me. And I hope I'm right in that. Because it seems to me that the majority of people who have the desire to speak out want only to manifest the end. I remember when Trump was in office and it was the end of the world. Nothing good would ever happen again and all hope was lost. And that's the way people really, really felt. And I just thought, hey, we got a really dumb guy in office. May not help me. But he's not necessarily going to negatively impact me personally. I could do something about it. I could not vote for one of the two parties next time. There's a lot of things I could do about it. But I don't believe he's going to bring about the end of the world. And then Biden got elected. And it was the end of the world. Gas prices through the roof. Job losses. Unemployments. Whatever. I just think, man, here's this guy possibly suffering from dementia in office that a political party had to drag out from under whatever rock he was hiding under because they couldn't win any other way. And and it's not all going to end. It's just not going to be fun for four years. But let me give you a heads up. Presidentially. It's not going to be fun the next four years or the four years after that or the four years after that. Because way too many of you are worrying about the inevitable end of the world at some future date you can't predict instead of really focusing on your current position in the current world that we all currently live in and trying to make it a little better. First part of this segment started with the words of Maynard James Keenan from Tool from a song called Anima. Um, there's a lot of really, really good lyrics in that song and 
it really kind of says everything I want to say about what we just talked about. All the way down to the vanity of of, of yourself over everything. You fret for your figure and you fret for your latte and you fret for your lawsuit and you fret for your hairpiece and you fret for your Prozac and you fret for your pilot and you fret for your contract and you fret for your car. All those worries about things that only affect you. All to just wait for this inevitable end while preserving your own comfort. Some say a comet will fall from the sky, followed by meteor showers and tidal waves, followed by fault lines that cannot sit still, followed by millions of dumbfounded dipshits. Well, that about wraps it up for today. That one wasn't as bad. I always say I'm going to do a short one, and I kind of did a short one. And so, you know. I mean, I carried through on that one. Uh, I really thought I lost a lot of listeners. Um, And I'm really optimistic and happy now. I don't think that I did. And I don't know why you stuck through it. And I don't know why you hung in there. But I really appreciate it. And um, it it really makes me happy. And I really want to put out content that, one, people enjoy. And, two, that means something to myself and and hopefully to others and I know I have a weird format I know I have a weird style and and I, I'm always somewhat self-conscious about that will that translate will people enjoy it will people stick with it do they want to hear it is it is it a style that that is appealing to people and you know there's going to be ones I do you hate there's going to be ones I do you love you know it, it is what it is I can't change it and I don't I don't think that I should want to or that I should try to I think that it's just an honest expression of what I'm trying to do, and and I think people appreciate that. And I really appreciate you listening, and I really appreciate you emailing, and I really appreciate everything you do. Um, And there's been some comments I've not focused enough on my podcast, and I've focused more on other people's podcasts of late. And I could see where you feel that way, but... They're really two completely different things. My podcast is very personal, and it's it, it very much is maybe a way for me to get out things I can't say to other people because I don't have anybody to discuss them with, or things that I feel like I want to say it now, and maybe I'll change my mind on it six months from now. I can go back and revisit it, and it's just a thought exercise for me. You know, why are these things this way? Or why do I feel this way? Or why do other people feel that way? Or what part am I missing about this? And then you guys send me great feedback. And it, it I don't know, it's a good process for me and I enjoy it. So I hope that you do. And it seems like more of you enjoyed it than I thought. And I think that's really cool. But doing other people's podcast, it's fun. It's a discussion and it's, um, I don't know, I just really enjoy it. And I've been really fortunate to to be on some good podcasts, uh, and I've been unfortunately I've been on some bad ones, and I don't mention them on here and don't talk about them, and don't try to send you to them um, for that reason. And and I don't call these people and go, I I want this taken off. It's just you know, it is what it is. Um, but I'm noticing that podcasting is becoming a really big thing um, in the area that I live in, and. I think that's really cool. I think it gives mountain people a voice. I think it gives all people a voice. And I realize that I really enjoy listening to these local podcasts a lot. And it's it's cool. And I want to do some podcasts that have more of a local appeal and vibe. And I hope that those of you that don't live here, you know, will give those a chance. And if you don't like them, it's not like it's going to be every podcast if you don't like them, then you don't listen to them, you know, and, and wait for the next one. Because I have that, you know, I don't listen to every episode of Rogan. I, I don't listen to every single episode of Tell Them Steve Dave, you know. There's going to be episodes of shows I don't listen to. They talk about things I don't want to listen to or things I've already heard about or things that just don't interest me. And it's not me saying, well, that show's not any good anymore, Dawes. It's just me saying, hey, 
that's not my thing. Proud of what you're doing. I'm glad you're doing it. I'll be back when it's my thing again. And and I'm fine with people doing that with my show. You know, I, I don't I don't think that that's a snub or anything. Um, I appreciate that, and and I understand it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But you have to understand that on the same time, there's going to be things that possibly interest me that don't interest you. There are also things that I don't really have any desire to do episodes of, and uh, you can't get upset with me if I don't. Um, this was an impromptu episode, and I didn't print out emails, but I received an email from a gentleman named Andrew. Um, Andrew had listened to um, a couple of older shows I've done and a couple of different things I've done, and it was funny. It dawned on me in the middle of this podcast, because I don't write these out. I do... I'd, some of them I do. The Truman one, you know, there's a lot of research and a lot of things went into that. But all these, like tonight, I just sit down and this was on my mind and I talked about it. But I got to thinking about this email in the process of recording the podcast because I mentioned a shadow government and 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 then that brings up the Anunnaki. And a gentleman named Andrew sent me a an email. I had mentioned this government within a government once before. And I honestly don't remember the podcast myself. Um, but I know that I said it because I've always really felt that way. Um, and I guess I had teased, uh, another podcast that I really don't remember teasing that topic. And I can't remember what the, how it was phrased exactly, but I'd tease this. And he mentioned me having on someone he knew, uh, who has a podcast. Um, they're from Alberta, Canada. And I'm not going to mention their name because they didn't send me this message. So I don't know that they have anything involved with this. But this gentleman in Canada does a podcast. And he started out going back and going through every one of the ancient alien episodes. From episode one all the way through. And then does other episodes in between there like filler episodes. And and his podcast is strictly about ancient aliens. And Andrew believes that. He and I have the same opinions um, on this topic. And I couldn't find the podcast based on how Andrew explained it. I don't know if he's off on the name or what, as far as Apple went. Uh, But I was able to find what I'm pretty sure is it on YouTube. And um, I don't think we have the same ideas about anything and I replied back to Andrew man thank you for listening I really enjoyed this um I think your friend's really handling uh this ancient aliens thing really well um and so I don't think it's really something I need to kind of step in on and that's really not my deal um you know and I even said I know some other podcasts that that is their deal, and they're really good at it. You know, let me touch base with these guys and see, you know. Uh, thank you for listening, blah, blah, blah. And and that was the end of the email. I get an email back um, that I'm snobbish and disregarded him, whatever. Uh, I assured him that was not the case, and... He said, I just don't understand basically why you won't address this topic. And that's really a loaded question for him, and he doesn't understand why. And I reinstate, I restated, I really think this gentleman you're listening to is doing a very good job with this. And... I think you've confused some of the stuff I've said, but I really don't feel the way he feels about this. Um, he mentioned a couple other podcasts, and one of which I, re- I took the time to go listen to it, and it was a really good podcast. Um, but I don't think they feel the same way this guy feels. And I just don't think this guy's understanding it. And Andrew, if you're listening, I don't think you get what I'm saying. Um, 
I come back and said, you know, I, I'm not an expert on ancient civilizations by any means and all the experts I can find on ancient civilizations and have found because I was somewhat interested in this ancient alien thing when it first came out. Um, there's really no experts that feel that way. I'd have no good knowledge base to draw from. And he says, well, I'd like to recommend Eric Von Donegan and um, Zachariah uh, Sitchens. And I said, I'm very familiar with both authors. Um, but, you know, be, being that I don't really know anything about this, I'd have to have more academic sources, you know, some more knowledgeable sources. To which Andrew's next reply in his next email was, uh, Danikin and Sitchens are both much more educated than you and have uh, a lot of knowledge. I think he called Sitchens an expert in Sumerian, the Sumerian language and things of that nature. Andrew, I didn't reply to you. This is my reply because I'm not going to email back and forth with you anymore. Um, I don't mean any respect to your buddy's podcast or to you. I think the podcast is good. I think he does a good job with the content. That content is not for me. I made a peace offering to you. I've got a buddy I'm going to try to get on the podcast pretty soon that knows a ton about aliens and UFOs. And uh, I was going to try to get him on the podcast and let's talk about some cases that I feel have some validity and scientific proof to them, especially a lot of this newer stuff with Favor, Lieutenant Favor and all this. Again, I think I feel somewhat differently than a lot of people do about what's actually in that footage, but that's okay. That's what... I love sitting and talking to people that believe things I don't believe and that don't believe what I believe because this guy I'm talking about, his podcast has changed my mind on some things and really turned me on some things. And, you know, there's things we've talked about that I still feel the same exact way about. But that that's the beauty of conversation, and it's a wonderful thing. But in regards to Eric Von Donneken, he was a criminal, uh, a thief, got caught stealing a couple times, worked at a hotel, um, best I can tell, no actual formal education whatsoever as far as uh, any degrees or anything of that nature. Um, I don't know that anybody actually on the show Ancient Aliens. I don't know if any of them have any degrees, and if so, what they're in. Uh, but Von Donegan definitely doesn't, and Chariots of the Gods. There's a lot of really good books and a lot of really good YouTube videos out there just completely tearing apart and debunking Charity of the Gods. It, it's fiction. That was written by a guy that was working at a hotel at the time that's, you know, was writing it in between and, and, and sold it as fact. And uh, almost nothing that he mentions in Chariots of the Gods is uh, actually historically correct. Um, he just made it all up. And he did a really good job doing it, and he should be admired for his ability to write fiction, but it should be understood that it is fiction regardless of how he presents it. Same way with Sitchens. I, I don't, to my knowledge, he, he is no history um, professor or anything of that nature. I think he was an accountant or something like that, possibly, or an ad agent. I can't remember. But, um, you know, his quote, uh, dissecting and, and translating of, of these tablets. Uh, he doesn't speak Sumerian. Actually, most people feel that he doesn't know a word of Sumerian based on, on conversations with him. And uh, it's hard for me to believe this guy just off of pictures up and figured this out in the weekend when, you know, one uh, some of the most celebrated people ever. One guy studied for like 50 years and didn't figure it out. Um... You know, and this guy figures it out in a couple of weeks just on his own or if it took him years, whatever. Um, but nothing he has come up with is actually real. Again, it's almost all fiction. He was just a really good salesman. Uh, you know, like the the word Anunnaki. Uh, again, I wish I'd written this down. I, I think Sitchens claims it means... Um, People of the gods or people of the heavens, something like that, and it's that's not even remotely close to what it means. I mean, it's so far off that it's really sad. So, Andrew, I'm not going to do it. Um, 
really, if you just approached it differently, maybe down the road I could have put it in some collage of things and sat and went over it. Um, but if I do, if I do it, I'm going to have to be honest about it like I just was, and you're probably not going to like that. So why do you want that? I don't get it. I feel differently. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying that Donegan and Sitchens wrote fiction, and that's pretty undeniable, but they were good at it. But I don't care if you want to believe that. It doesn't hurt me for you to believe that. But don't get mad at me because I don't do what you tell me to do. It doesn't work that way. I tell you the best re- retaliation you could do to me. Start your podcast over this topic, if it's what you want it to be. Do the best you can do at it. Record it. Send me another email with a link. I'll subscribe. I'll download. And I'll listen at least to the first five episodes. And if they're good, I'll keep listening. Even if I disagree with you. Because that's how life works. You do what you enjoy. And if you enjoy something, you don't have to live and die on that hill. You just enjoy it because you enjoy it. Um, I had some other email. I don't know flirting with making this a long episode after that rant and I just said I wasn't going to make it a long episode <clears throat> um, my books uh, yeah there's a good email uh, anyway my books are available in uh, the Red Spot of Newton Hazard Kentucky you can reach them on Facebook if you don't live local it's cheaper there than they are on Amazon uh, you people are if, if the people that are listening to the show are buying the books that I'm seeing sale online you're not buying them from this local store I'm asking you to buy them from. And you're not saving money and getting them cheaper there. And, and she'll ship. I've seen a small little spike in sales. But it's all been Amazon sales. So, you know, come on, people. I mean, I appreciate you buying my book, but even more than buying my book, if you helped out a friend and helped out a local business in this economy, that would mean more to me than you buying my book. So it's not even that much harder. I don't even know that it is even harder because she replies like that when you when you send her messages. I mean, look up Red Spotted Note. It's R-E-A-D, Red Spotted Note, Hazard, Kentucky. Uh, we'll get that smut I wrote. I don't know if it's worth getting. Um, and like I said, I was saying I, I'm from Eastern Kentucky and there's a lot of really good podcasts down here. Check out the uh, Spooky Family podcast. It's a local Eastern Kentucky podcast. It's really good. Check out Here to Chew Bubblegum. Check out... Um, Seth's Daily Podcast. Check out Down on the Holler. Um, check out all the other ones I'm forgetting because I always forget Eli's and Eli, I'm sorry, I can't remember it. Homegrown Podcast uh, with Eli Griffith. Uh, and if you can't find it, look on Foxy 94.3. And you can find it there. It's a local podcast, really good podcast, A Voice in the Mountains. Uh, one of the first shows to interview me uh, about my book when I done my book and it's a local show and everything. Uh, and then keep your eyes out. The artist formerly known as Cronkite, the paranormal trucker, has a podcast coming. And I have to believe it's going to be wonderful because he's a great person, amazing dude, and I can't wait to hear it. Uh, don't suck, don't die, and be good to people.